0: Oh, it's a good day to be here. Thanks, kids, for doing that. Appreciate it. Hey, happy Father's Day to all of you fathers out there. I know it's uh, for some it's difficult because maybe the relationship wasn't great. Maybe you have lost your father. And I know today is a little painful. Um, but I tell you, we have the best father in heaven, don't we? Um, I, I'm going to begin with just a little honoring our fathers by telling you two really bad jokes. And the first one, well, I started a long time ago with a beard, and I didn't really like it, but it grew on me. <laughs> thank you, thank you. And you know, when you think about space, that's a good transition, right? When you think about space, Orion's belt, it's just a big waste of space, isn't it? There you go, okay, all right. That's all I got. I'll be here all week. Um, <laughs> oh man, it, you know I, I love days like today because I get to to wear fun things. I'm wearing my daughter on my tie when she was three years old. That's a lot of fun. Um, I'm and I'm thankful because I wouldn't be a father if it weren't for my wife. You know, um, so long ago that wedding that happened. We went to the to San Saba. Uh, yesterday, I put it on Facebook, but we went to this thing called the Wedding Tree, and we've been wanting to do that for a while, and we have just, we've yet to do it, and so as we're coming back from Austin, we went ahead and stopped by the Wedding Tree, and it's huge. It's just kind of on this little back road, um, but it's, it's a huge tree, and, and the history is just fantastic that that this was a tree that was used by Native Americans to, to, to have their weddings and to, to join people together. And, and it was even used up until, you know, probably even still recently. I don't know if people still do this anymore, but early 1900s, people were still getting married under this tree. And the tree is old, and it is rooted, and it is deep. And the thing I, I said on my Facebook is that I wonder how many promises were made here. You know, there are promises deep in these roots. And some people underneath the base of that tree, they repeated vows, probably some that they had, you know, repeated from their parents had repeated or their parents parents had repeated they just said the same vows and and some probably said their own vows brand new creations of their own promises to one another you know, whether they're new or or whether they're old the meaning's the same they're promises and some people even renew their vows to one another. I showed my kids last night when Shelly and I renewed our vows on our 10th anniversary. I do not have a picture, and you will thank me for it, but we did it on our 10th anniversary, and we renewed our vows in front of Elvis. <laughs> Is that fun or what? And I, and I said the vows. I promise to love you tender, never to return you to sender, and always, always be your hunk a hunk of burning love. Maybe the first part I'll do. I don't know about the hunka hunk, of hunk of part. <laughs> but what I tell people whenever they are about to get married is I say the words you're going to say here in front of everyone, these words are going to create a brand new world for you. The promises you make are going to create a whole new reality because from this moment on, people are not just going to see you for you. They're going to see you and... It's you both. And how do you determine... Who you're, whose name you're going to say first? Like it's Scott and Shelley. Some people say Shelley and Scott, but not many. And a friend of mine, I say I say Holly and James. I don't say James and Holly. But it's a whole new reality now. Whenever you say those words and make those promises, and that uni- unity happens, you belong to one another now. Your status in the community it changes the status with one another when you say those promises the status with one another changes too you start expecting more from one another and because that moment you change now your future is changing it's a declaration really it's a promise that truly would change the world so Israel had these types of declarations as well one type of psalm was called an enthronement psalm now there are only a few, but these psalms declared and reminded the people of God that that He was on the throne, that He was the one who was in charge, that He was the one that they, that they were going to trust, that they were going to worship. And there are six of these enthronement psalms, not many, Psalm 47, 93, 96, and 99. If you go into your app right now, then you'll see that I've, I've put the link to, to Psalm 96 in there. But you can go in and find the others too. We'll be referencing them a little later today. But these were psalms that would seek to declare as a people who these people believed to be king. Who they believed was going to sit on the throne. And so through these psalms, not only did they praise their king, but they were also in the process of creating a new world for their people to worship. A world in which their king could live. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this act of creation through the words that we say, through the songs that we sing. And we're going to look at how, believe it or not, we can use our words... To partner with God to continue to create a world that declares that God is the King and that we are His people. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. And Lord, we do declare this morning, even before we talk about it, that you are our King. You are the great shepherd of our life. We trust you. And I know sometimes we stray and we wander, sometimes we we really don't listen to anyone else other than ourselves, But Lord, in these moments, we come back together to remind ourselves that we are not on the throne. You are. So I pray that you would speak to us this morning through your word. Lord, I pray that you communicate through me, a broken vessel. I pray that you would just with your spirit, that you would help us to leave here different and more confident in who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So years ago, a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, said this, these words. He said, words create worlds. And it was kind of an odd thing to say, but the more I've thought about it, it's exactly true. You know, the words we say each and every day, the type of environment that we choose to live, the words we use with our family and our friends. You know those phrases you continually use? We kind of kind of sink into a pattern of those words that you use over and over. They determine what kind of atmosphere we bring into our relationships. And when, when, when we begin to settle kind of into that, into that common language that we have, those words we tend to say over and over, we begin to create a world in which we live, in which we will inhabit. Remember Genesis 1? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be water under the sky. And God said, and God said, and God said. With words, God created the world. In which we live, He created us with words. He created the universe in which our world resides. Words create worlds. The question I have is, what kind of world are we creating? In the book of James, He talks about the power of words, the power of the tongue the tongue is that muscle that forms the words that we say. It controls them. And in chapter 3, verse 9, he says this, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. And I'm not even sure we realize we're doing it. So often we think and you know, we simply move through our lives without truly I would say, without truly thinking about what we say or how we're saying it or who we're even saying it to. But we're creating an atmosphere in a world with the words that we use. Isaiah, the prophet in the Old Testament, he only realized the power and the consequences of his words when he was in the presence of God himself. So in Isaiah chapter six, he has this vision and he finds himself in the temple of God. There are angels all around, Amazing things that no human eye was meant to see. But he's there, and the smoke is filling the temple, and the sound is just reverberating. He could probably feel it in his bones. And what was his reaction? Was it joy? Was it happiness? No, it was terror. And what was his first reaction? It was this He says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. His first thought was that he was a man whose words had been filthy. Lips that both blessed and cursed. Lips that had formed words that were selfish and harmful and condemning and hateful. Lips that, that had tried to praise God as these angels had done but, but always fell woefully short because his language was one that was mixed with worship and idolatry, selfishness and sin. But did God condemn him as he stood there? No. What did he do? Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth, and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. God knew Isaiah's lips were unclean, and he chose to forgive because he wanted to bless Isaiah. He wanted to bless him by using him to help Remind God's people that they had forgotten that the world they were creating with their words and the actions was supposed to be God-centered, but it was turning out to be completely the opposite. In fact, what they were, dis- what they were creating was a world of death, a world of destruction, hopelessness, segregation, pride, you name it. They had forgotten the psalms from their past. I mean, sure, they probably sung them, but did they really know what they were saying? Did they remember it? Did they think about the words they were saying? They had forgotten who was enthroned. Their mouths weren't filled with promises and praise. As it says a little later in that chapter, it says their mouths were filled with with vileness. Every mouth speaks vileness. That's an indictment. Now remember, Psalms is a collection of every type of emotion we even still feel today. It has all the highs and the lows, those responses to God, to the situations that that they found themselves in. You know, these songs, they are reminders of the best of what we are, the worst of what we are, the things that we're confident in, those things that we fear. And at our very best, we see in the Psalms, we see people who declare that God's on the throne. And at our worst, we kind of sit in our own misery, in our... In our own despair. And we wish curses on others. Yeah, there are cursing psalms too. But Israel, they had gotten to this place where they had either forgotten who was king or they chose to gloss over those particular songs. So when we read some of these selections from these enthronement psalms, we see the kind of world that the composers were trying to create. With their words, we'll just read over a few, just some selections, and and we'll, we'll read some from all of them. Psalm 47, clap your hands, all you nations. Clapping's okay. Shout to God with cries of joy. God has ascended amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sounding of trumpets. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. For God is the King of all the earth. Sing to Him a psalm of praise. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on His holy throne. From Psalm 93, The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. Psalm 96, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. It says sing, proclaim, declare, ascribe to the Lord the glory Do His name. Worship. Rejoice. Psalm 97 says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Fire goes before Him and consumes His foes on every side. I love this. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord. Before the Lord of all the earth. Psalm 98, Sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. The Lord has made His salvation known and revealed His righteousness to the nations. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music, with the harp, with the sound of singing. Let the sea resound and everything in it. From Psalm 99, it says, The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between cherubim. The King is mighty. Exalt the Lord our God. Ah, what declarations, huh? That's... That's some powerful language there. In our language, with the words that we say, how boldly do we declare our allegiance to God? And when do we do this? How often do we do this? Now, for some of us, it may not happen until Sunday. Sunday. I mean, doing this collectively is why we gather here together. We, we gather to bless one another. We gather to remind each other that God is God, that He's on the throne, that we are His people, that no matter what has happened in our life up to this point, whether it's today, this morning, on the way to church this past week, or what will happen in the next week, that we trust God because He is on the throne. That's why we are gathering, to remind one another of that. And how do we do this? We do this through music. We do this through, through scriptures that remind us of the world that God has for us. We do this by blessing our children. We do this by, by just welcoming one another through prayer, through communion. We, this is why we do this, because we want to remind each other that God created this world with his words for us. And we do this by singing new songs that we sang this morning, By singing songs we continue to sing over and over, and that's great. Words of worship and praise, songs we're comfortable with, songs we aren't comfortable with. Because each week that we gather, even though the order is familiar, the words may not be. I preach a new sermon every week. Unless I'm really tired, and then I'll just... But, you know, at 1130 this morning, I'll feel good. I'll go, Whoo! okay, good, it's done. And then all of a sudden the next thought is, okay, Sunday's coming. Because Sunday's always coming. The process begins all over again. But I'm, it's overwhelming sometimes that I get to partner with God to use words to create a moment that I pray encourages and inspires and motivates people. And the Word of God that we have with us each and every day continues to do those things. But but even though I create, so do you. You're doing the exact same thing with the words that you say each and every day. We all create with our words. I mean, even though some of you may not be a wordsmith or a poet or, or be good with rhyming, you might not even be an effective communicator, but you're still in the process of world creation with your words. Just like Israel, through these psalms, created and reinforced this reality that God is on the throne, we tell people, want you to hear me here, through our words and our actions, the things we say, the songs that we sing, we are telling people who sits on the throne of our life. We're telling them, whether we know it or not. So the question I'm going to ask, what song are you singing? Now, sometimes we get into a rut, and we continue to kind of do and say the same things over and over. There may be different verses to the song of our life, but the song is probably the same. Someone explained it to me this way. Um, they said you kind of have this mental tape in your head. Now, kids, tape is something we used to use a long time ago. You have the CD on repeat, right? And you just kind of repeat it over and over. You react the same way. You um, say the same thing. When something happens to you, you do the same thing. You eat the same thing. You have this routine. But we have routines with our words, too, and, and the way we interact with people. When something happens, we get angry, or we play the victim, or we dismiss, or we run away, we blame society, we blame ourselves, we feel guilt, we feel shame, we feel like we're awful, we think we'll never be who God wants us to be. We continue to act and do the very same things over and over because the song we're singing is on repeat. Over and over it plays. So, my question is what song are you singing? Is the song helpful? Is it hurtful? Has it created a world in you? Has it created a world where you know that God is on the throne? Or is that song creating a world for you where God is on the margins? Where He might even be in the audience as you sit on the throne? He's not the conversation. He's just some of it. Is the song we're singing creating a world where God is our God you know the people of God are always in the process of reminding one another what God has done in Psalm 96 2 it says to proclaim his salvation day after day and to declare his glory among the nations the word for proclaim here is to deliver a message it's almost the same Greek word as gospel To proclaim His salvation is to proclaim good news. And to proclaim good news is to help God continue to create a world that is good, one where people know that He's on the throne. And what a privilege we've been given. Because as the people of God, we have been called to partner with God in world creation. I know I keep saying that, but it's so true. A lot of times we feel like we're just kind of hanging on. God, use me if you can. God's saying, no, I want you to join me. I've I've given you the Holy Spirit. You're joining me in this process. God is a creator. He didn't create the world and step back. He's still creating. He's creating new people out of you each and every day he's saying i want to partner with you are we willing to help him and maybe for some of us we just need to focus on singing a new song you know if our life is the song we sing that's a big if our life is the song that we sing then each day as the sun rises and as we open our eyes, we have this opportunity to sing a new song to the Lord. We do it alone. We do it together. And as a, as a congregation, we're, we're creating together. One of the coolest things we were able to do in my first six months here is we gathered right in this room in the back on a Wednesday night and and it was this night of psalms and so we just had a time of about probably 10 minutes where we just had people come to the whiteboard and they just wrote down what they were feeling what they were thankful for who god was to them and we compiled all of those statements into what i'm going to call the psalm of johnson street i'm going to have our praise team read this for us in just a moment but these were younger children, older children, young members, older members. And as we close today, I want you to hear this. Because you were continually offered the opportunity to create and sing a new song to the Lord. This is the Psalm of Johnson Street. Sing a new song to the Lord. That whole psalm is in your app. You can download that. I love the song that you're singing. I am so thankful that we get a chance to sing with you. And I think God loves that when we're willing to praise, to use our words to create because the words we say in the song that our lives are singing, it's creating a world for our family, our friends, those around you. So my encouragement to you this week is to ensure that it is a world where they know without a doubt that our Father in heaven is on the throne. We are not. A world where God is God. He is our God. And we are His people. Amen? Let's go and stand up together. Our elders will be around. Our staff will be available for you to pray with. If you don't need prayer, then I encourage you, find an elder or a staff member. Pray for them as we sing together.